paranoid, something like the old days in Iraq under Saddam Hussein. There was an unspoken quality, a silence despite the blaring horns of those caught in traffic. People whispered when out in public. When a waiter arrived at a table, the people at that table stopped talking. The Mukhabarat could easily have been the same men who had followed me in Iraq a decade before. Those same cheap leather jackets, the same badly trimmed, downward-turned mustaches. Many of the Baathists I knew from Saddam's portfolio had, in fact, run to another country of Baathists after he was killed, to Syria. I had come to Syria because I wanted to see a country before it tumbled down the rabbit hole of war. During that first trip in May 2012, Syria was just on the brink. You could be exacting about definitions and call it an armed conflict between two factions, later three, then four, then more, but I had seen wars start like this before, and it was descending on Syria with stunning velocity. The world stood by watching. I had a visa, therefore I was there legally, but anyway I felt uneasy. I was watched, observed, and followed. I checked into a hotel, the Dama Rose, where the United Nations monitors were also staying. Morose men who were no longer allowed to operate because they had been attacked too often. They sat drinking coffee after coffee and making jokes about the bar downstairs, which was usually frequented by lithe young Russian girls whom they called Natasha's. In a few weeks' time, even the Natasha's would flee even though Putin, being Assad's ally, had made it easy for them to get visas to enter the country. One Thursday, the day that is the start of the Muslim weekend, I returned to the hotel after a day of talking to people who were uncertain whether or not their country would exist in a year or two. They were Christians, but liberal. They did not support the government's crushing of peaceful rebellions, but nor did they support an armed resistance— At that point, I was trying to describe the various supporters and detractors of Assad. There were rebels who were fighting him. There were activists who were launching a digital war, using Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter as ammunition. And then there were those who had protested in places like Homs in the beginning, but had dropped out altogether when some of their fellow activists took up arms. In a cafe in Paris, on a bitterly cold day earlier that year, I had met with Fadwa Sleiman, a graceful Alawite actress who, in the very beginning of the revolution, led the protests and became something of a celebrity. Before that, she had starred in Syrian soaps. Because she was an Alawite, the same ethnic group as Assad, and a protester calling for freedom from the regime, she was instantly branded as the face of the revolution but she said things had changed. She was saddened to see that the revolution is not going in the right direction, that it is becoming armed, that the opposition which wanted to resist peacefully is playing the game of the regime, and that the country is heading for sectarian war. I didn't want to leave Syria, she added, but I didn't have the choice. I was being threatened and I was becoming a threat for the activists who were helping me. Then there were what I called the believers, Assad's followers, some of them as devoted to him as St. Paul had been to Jesus, but others who were simply concerned that, as a minority of a minority, Alawites are an offshoot of the Shia branch of Islam, 
They would disappear if the radical Sunnis came to power. There was a sub-faction of the believers who only wanted to save their own skin. They did not want to get hauled away to jail by Assad. They privately did not approve of the regime's torture cells and bombing raids on Aleppo, but they found the news hard to believe, and, above all, they did not want the radical Islamists in power. Then there was another category, those who believed in nothing other than staying alive, putting a meal on the table, stepping across a street without getting sprayed with shrapnel, or traveling in a car without getting stuck in traffic next to a car bomber. Sometimes the categories shifted. The longer I stayed, the wider became the range of activists I would come across. I knew some who became believers after ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, sometimes called ISIL, sometimes called Daesh.